let's open up to James chapter 3. I remember one time, it was a long time ago, and I, I don't know, it was my son Aaron when he was really, really young. And I remember I went into his room to try to wake him up. And um, it was just one of those times where he was having a hard time waking up. And so, Aaron, you got to wake up. You know how we do that. Lord, forgive me for saying this about my son, but it can happen to anyone, right? And I just want to, you guys, you guys see this, right? Aaron, you, can you wake up? So he's sleeping, and then you know what he does? It's just so cool. He couldn't wake up. He just couldn't. But what he did is he put out his arms like this. <laughs> and it was his way of saying, help me, Dad. Help me, Dad. You know, he, he couldn't do it, I think, but he knew he had to and he wanted to, but there was just something about, he just said, Dad, I need your help on this. And, and I say that because I think this is one of those studies, man, where we need help. We need help with our words. We need help in taming our tongues because, I don't know, have you guys ever done it where you said the wrong thing? Have you guys ever done it where you're like, oh, man, how many of you did it this morning? Come on, be honest. <laughs> Tell the truth and shame the devil. We know, man, that as we say things we shouldn't say, we say it at the wrong time, we say it at the wrong tone of voice, we, we react, things like that. You know, craziness happens at home. You might, be a, you might have a boss that's really mean to you, and they, you know, they talk a certain way, and so you want to respond, you want to retaliate. You know, I've talked to guys that work in different places, and they have customers that are really mean to them, you know, and so it's hard. It's very hard. But it's very important because Peter says that if you want to love life, if you want to love life, then you're going to have to learn to tame your tongue. And so um, hopefully today will be life changing. Hopefully today, you know, we'll be able to say, um, man, that guy got a hold of me that 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 Sunday, man, and my marriage will, will never be the same. You know, my relationship with so-and-so or whatever um, in the future with people will never be the same because I learned the importance of this little thing inside my mouth that's, you know, relatively hidden. Usually people don't see it. It's only a few inches long and only weighs 20 ounces. But man, what a bummer. What things can happen that are so terrible if we don't learn to tame our tongue. You say that one word to that one boy or that well, maybe a child of your, maybe a spouse, you say that one thing and it just can, it can sit and settle with them and break their hearts for a long time. And so we need this. And so today we're going to look first at the teaching on teachers because teachers need to tame their tongue and then we'll look at the teaching on the tongue. And when we get into the teaching on the tongue, we need to talk about the powerful weight of our words for good or bad. We need to talk about the potential wickedness of our words, and then we'll talk about the personal wellspring of our words. Because ultimately, the things you say, um, they basically show what's going on in your heart. Okay? I mean, I, I mean, I think like people in Calvary Chapel El Monte, I'm sure they don't cuss. I don't think they cuss. Do you guys cuss? And I was thinking, Lord, am I being naive? Some people that come to Calvary Chapel El Monte, I bet you they drop F-bombs. I bet you they say stuff. I bet you they call people names. I, 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 I mean, me, I don't know why, because I live in my little cubby hole. I'm thinking, no, they don't. But, but, you know, the things that come out, the slander, the gossip, you know, you said something about someone, maybe a leader in the church, and you said it kind of like in a real subtle way, but what you did is you poisoned somebody's mind about a leader in the church, so how can they now lead effectively because of the little subtle slander that you said, the damage that can be done with our tongues. 
And so we have to come to a place in our life where basically we're just saying, you know what, I'm not going to say anything that uh, God doesn't approve of. But shouldn't it be that way? Does that sound radical? Does that sound extreme? No. We should not say anything that is not approved by God. There's a passage in the Bible. It says that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord and my Redeemer. And so Psalm 141.3 says, set a guard over my mouth, keep watch over the doors of my lips. And so let's see what we read here in James 3, beginning first on the teachers. He says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And so in one sense, James is starting a new section. We know that because he uses the word, my brethren. In chapter 1, verse 2, he says, my brethren. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, my brethren. Now again, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, my brethren. So he's talking to the family. He's talking to the church. And he says, hey, we, we shouldn't have too many people entering into the position or practice of teaching the Bible uh, because they got to know. People got to know. You can't just do it flippantly. Because people got to know that if you, uh, you ascribe, you claim and aim to teach the Bible, then you will receive a stricter judgment. And that's heavy when you think about it, you know? You're going to receive a stricter judgment. How is that? Well, I think that we're going to receive a stricter judgment based on, number one, like, did I teach the truth? Did I teach the Bible? Did I teach it accurately? Did I rightly divide the word? Did I rightly declare the word? One day I'm going to give an account to God on that. And what if I stumble in my words? What if I say something that I shouldn't have said? What if I say something that leads someone astray? What if I say something that's not accurate? Then one day when I stand before God, maybe there's going to be a loss of reward because I was not approaching it with this seriousness. You know, people don't like hearing the preaching the word anymore. They would rather just talk about it and let's discuss and stuff. And the Bible says clearly in 2 Timothy 4, he says, Timothy, I charge you before the Lord, before the angels, before heaven, preach the word. But nowadays you go to some churches and they don't even preach the word. They don't. Man, they'll talk about other things, you know, sociology, anthropology, psychology, you know, and they don't say, hey, let's open up our Bibles to, you know, James chapter 3, and they don't go through the scriptures. Some churches, and again, I can't be judgmental because I know God has to lead every single pastor, but some churches, they'll teach topically, and so they'll teach here, and they'll teach there, and they'll go here, and you wonder, did they ever cover, like, the hard topics? Did they, did they give you the full counsel of God? And the answer is no. So teachers will give an account, not only on the lessons I give, but they're also going to give account on the life that I live. Because if you're teaching the Bible, if I'm teaching the Bible, and I'm not living the Bible, what does that make me? That makes me a hypocrite in the worst way. You know, whenever I point at the people, there's three pointing back at me, right? And so that's why I point like this now. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> So we're going to receive a stricter judgment. So here's the thing. You know, if God's called you to be a teacher of the Bible, I don't want to in any way say, hey, don't do it. I think what James is really trying to say is don't approach it in a lackadaisical way. Don't think it's a small thing. You, uh, we've given you, we have teachers in different ways here in the church. We have given you the freedom and the responsibility 
to teach the Bible accurately, rightly divide it, rightly declare it, and that brings a greater accountability. A lot of people out there, they'll teach for fame because they want the platform, or they'll teach for finances. They graduated from seminary and they want the paycheck. There are some people who teach for fun. Well, I just like getting up in front of crowds and doing it, right? But I think that as teachers, we've got to kind of teach with fear. Fear. Every single word I say from this pulpit on, as a representative of God, I'm going to have to give an account for. And I got to make sure what I give, and I got to make sure how I live. For us as teachers, that's the responsibility that I have. Today, if you guys are reading through your New Testament, Old Testament, as we're going through it in a year, today there was a passage in the book of Ezra that was really uh, similar to what we're saying right here. It says in Ezra 7, verse 10, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and do it and teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. So I love that. I've always loved that. Ezra 7, verse 10, he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. First, as a teacher, I am going to understand what it means. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to study Hebrew and Greek. I'm going to look at cross-references. I'm going to meditate on it. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, but then secondly, to do it. I don't just study it to give it. I study it to live it. I want to do it. If I don't have that heart to do it, I should not be a teacher. And then thirdly, then I can give it. And that's the heart that we need to have. Because I'll tell you what, man, the most precious commodity on planet earth are you guys. You are God's people. And as a teacher, what am I feeding you? How am I leading you as teachers? And so I want to do my best to make sure I give and live God's word. It's a very sobering and sometimes even scary thing. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, he had his most scathing words towards those who failed in this area. Remember how in Matthew 23, eight times, he said, woe to you, scribes and hypocrites, because you teach tradition and not truth. Because you tell people to do things and you don't do them yourselves. And that's why Jesus was upset when you read Matthew 23. And so for those of us who teach, we have to make sure that we do so responsibly. We do so obediently, you know. I, I know, um, you know, today we're living in a church. You guys uh, in the world today where sometimes they won't say what they need to say. They won't give you the full counsel of God. They don't want to offend people. They don't want to step on toes. They don't want to break the, the, the political laws that are out there, you know, and they don't want to say that marriage is between a, a man and a woman. They don't want to talk about, you know, husband and, and wife and father and dad because we can't use those types of titles anymore because of gender, you know, issues. And, you know, it's like Jeremiah said, there are some preachers and teachers that can't bark dogs are supposed to bark when there's a warning but some of them they they don't want to because they want to step on toes but we need to give the warning hey you know i love you but if you continue living in that sin only reason i'm telling you is because i love you you're going to go to hell now, Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. Now, some say, well, that's not the best approach. Well, yeah, you're right. It's not always the best thing to talk about. You know, God will give you wisdom on how you're going to be evangelizing and talking with people. But if he tells you to say it, then you've got to say it. And you can't be afraid. 
you know, today, I, I, I don't want to sound weird or anything, but it seems to me like the Lord is coming pretty soon. Do you guys see that? Like his, his, his return is at hand. I mean, I don't want to say too much about the, the virus and the whole vaccine and stuff, but, you know, if you guys got the vaccine, praise God, there's nothing wrong with getting the vaccine. If you didn't get the vaccine, because maybe you feel like it hasn't been tested long enough or you've never been one of those types of people to get vaccines or flu shots in the past and you're just kind of waiting or you just don't have a piece about it, you know, that's cool too. But we're living in a world now where it says if you don't show proof that you've been vaccinated, then you can't go to the market. That, that's what they're saying. CNN is saying that's the way we should do. You can't go to certain restaurants. You can't go to music you know, venues. And, and so eventually it's going to come to that. And so am I saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast? No. But what I'm saying is that we're getting ready for that type of mentality. CNN had this, uh, this conversation between a couple of guys, and one of the guys was saying, we just got to make it simple. You don't get the vaccine, you can't go to the supermarket. You don't get the vaccine, you can't go to the clothing store. You don't go to the vaccine, you know, you can't go to the Dodger game, whatever it is. And, and it's like, that sounds to me like Revelation 13. And it says, whoever does not receive the mark of the beast cannot buy and cannot sell. And so when the signs are there, the global communication, all these things are right in front of us. And so I have the responsibility to tell you that the Lord might be coming soon. And if you're here and you're just plain church, if you're here and you're just attending church, when the rapture happens, you will be left behind. And there's some scary passages that talk about those who knew the truth and they did not obey it. So all I'm saying today in one sense is, hey, you got to be ready. Hey, I want to warn you. Out of love, I pray that we would all get our, right, our, our lives right with the Lord. And so, you know, whatever, teachers, pastors, representatives, preachers, we have to share what God tells us to. You know, in one sense, a prophet with a small p is one who not only foretells, but foretells God's word. And so we need to be like Moses and Aaron. They were Warner Brothers, right? We need to be like uh, Ezekiel. He was a watchman, and he said, hey, Ezekiel, if you don't warn the people, there's going to be blood on your hands. Real quick, if you're a teacher, number one, you've got to teach the Bible. We see that in Acts 20, 26 through 27, where Paul said, I didn't shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God. We've got to teach the whole Bible, and we have to teach it accurately. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, be diligent, to present yourselves approved to God, a worker. And you might want to circle that word worker. It's not that easy to be a teacher. You have to be a worker. You have to be a student of the word. Be diligent to do that, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that means rightly interpreting it. And so you got some guys out there, they're teaching stuff that is crazy, it is off. He says, no, Timothy, that can't be you. So we have to teach the whole Bible. We have to teach it accurately. And then we have to live obediently. And Paul the Apostle said in Acts 20, verse 18, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. And so, um, you know, when you look at this, and what, you know, James is telling us is, that, let not many of you be teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment so we have to do this right 
But notice he says the reason for the warning in verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And so, you know, I, I, I fail in this a lot, I would have to say, a lot. But I am fighting. I am fighting to get this right. I am fighting. I am biting my tongue a lot, man. You know, you hear things or whatever. Things, the enemy tries to stir things up. You know, and you can stumble. You're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have said it. Right now is not the right time, you know? There's a proverb that says a, 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 a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. And that sounds very valuable to me. It sounds very fruitful to me when you speak the right word in the right way at the right time. And so it takes tact to make contact. We really need to grow and ask God to touch our hearts so that the words that we speak are like apples of gold in settings of silver because uh, just left to ourselves, man, we are going to stumble all the time. And we are going to create things like World War III in our homes. And so we need the Lord to help us. But he says right here, you know, usually we all stumble in, in many things. If a man does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. And that means he's a mature man. And finally, you've come to that place. None of us will ever be completely perfect but you come to that place where there's a consistency, where there's a maturity. You have let God tame your tongue. And usually when you can tame your tongue, then you can tame your whole body. That's what James is saying. And if that's you and you've come to that place, not that we ever say, well, okay, now I'm done. I don't have to continue to abide or work on it. But now maybe you might think about entering into the position and practice of being a teacher. And so we need the Lord. You know, to help us in this. He gives us the teaching, first of all, on teachers. And then secondly, he gives us the teaching on the tongue. And look what we read in verse 3, the powerful weight of our words. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. And so I think we're going to see overall three illustrations. I think what James, it, one of the points I don't want to miss, he's saying, I know it looks small. I know you might think it's insignificant, but man, it's, it's, it does, it's, it's so influential. It's like, you know, you got this 2,000-pound horse that can gallop at 40 miles an hour, right? And that beautiful, you know, muscular animal that is just so marvelous is actually controlled by this little bit, this little bit in its mouth and the bridle. And so horses used for travel, domesticated, used in war in those days. He's saying that the tongue, even though you may think it's small, Look at how powerful it is. Look, I think in one sense what you can do is in a good thing. You can travel far if you tame your tongue. You can win wars if you tame your tongue. And so he's saying, hey, even though it's small, it, it makes a big difference. And then he uses the example of a rudder in a, in a ship. And so you've got this ship. It's the size in those days of a football field. You know, it's huge, but it's, it's, it's controlled and it's steered by a little udder. A little rudder, man, and this is so amazing when you look at that 
And, and I, again, me just kind of thinking a little bit deeper, I'm thinking, man, if I can only tame my tongue, I can travel oceans like ships. I can go on these adventures and bring back treasures. It's a different life when you understand the significance of that little tongue, that little word that you should not have said, but you say it anyways. Because you want to know why? You want to know why? Because the fool vents all his feelings. Well, I just say it how it is. That's how I am. That's the type of person I am. I shoot from the hip. You don't like it too bad, so sad. That's how some people are. You know, one lady, she came up to D.L. Moody, and she said, I think I found my talent. I know what my gift is. My talent is just telling it like it is. I just speak my mind. And D.L. Moody said, ma'am, that's one talent I think that God would not mind you burying. <laughs> we have to think before we speak. And I've given you guys this acronym before, but I want to give it to you again just in case you haven't heard. T-H-I-N-K. Think before you speak. Number, number one, letter T. Is it true? Is it true what you're saying? Letter H. Is it helpful? Is it really helpful? It might be harmful. Letter I. Is it inspiring? Is what you're saying a, a something that would inspire others? Then there's the end. Is it necessary? You might think it's, oh, yeah, this is what's going on. This is what happened to me. And you start telling people your story. But, but what you're really doing in telling your story or telling your experience is you're actually putting someone down. Is it necessary for you to say that? Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary? And then the letter K, is it kind? If not, I like that other proverb that we have. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Is that possible? Is that possible, you guys? I think so. James here is talking about how that little teeny tiny tongue, 20 ounces, just a few inches, you hardly ever see it, how that just changes your whole life if we could only tame our tongue. You know, it's an interesting thing when you look at this, the teaching on teachers, the teaching on the tongue, the powerful weight of our words and the potential wickedness. Look at verse 5 again, where he says, See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You know, just like a little spark can burn down an entire forest, one strike of a match, one flicked cigarette, one little thoughtless, insignificant word can do this crazy, crazy damage. It can destroy relationships all because you could not tame your tongue. You know, and they got, they got in the world, men, they can tame the tigers and the lions and, and the bears. Did you guys ever go to the circus when they had the elephants? I mean, they, what they can do with penis is amazing. You go to SeaWorld, I, I always trip out, how do they make Shamu or whatever, these fishes do these things? And, 
And I don't know if you guys like SeaWorld anymore, but you know what I'm talking about, right? How we can tame all these creatures, but we can't tame our tongue. But who can? God. God can tame our tongue if we let him. We might be there like Aaron was asleep. Lord, help me. I can't do this. And you reach out your hands and say, Lord, help me because I have a hard time with this, Lord. You know, and so the damage it does. I was thinking about the California fires that we're experiencing. Have you guys heard about these fires that are going on? One fire, it's called the, the Dixie Fire. Uh, 400,000 acres have been burnt. That's, uh, that's larger than the size of the city of Los Angeles. I mean, we're talking about 65, 625 square miles that have been burnt by somewhere along the line there was a spark that created this fire. We're, we're experiencing this in California. And so, you know, you're like, well, I don't know how you guys feel about fires. You're like, well, as long as it doesn't come close to me. But houses have been burnt down. Businesses have been burnt down. Lives have been just devastated. What if your house burned down? How would you feel if you lost everything? Well, that's the kind of damage, James says, can happen when we don't tame our tongues. One little gob of gossip, one sarcastic sentence, one little white lie. You know, even something that's true but is spoken out of turn can do damage. And so the tongue is in our, our bodies, and it has a job to do. And it can either influence for good or for iniquity. It's just really the tone for the rest of our bodies. The, the tongue, we see, is only the fuse, and the source sometimes can be this deadly fire, and that is hell itself. And so God help us to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 18.21, it says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk too much will reap the consequences. When they speak, Psalm 58 verse 4 says, Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. You know, sometimes it's accusations. Sometimes it's exaggerations. If it's a, a lie, I like to call them the language of Lucifer. And so may we not speak that language. Uh, James here says it's not just an evil, it's an unruly evil. He says it's not just poison, it's deadly poison. He says it's not just a random fire, it's hell fire. What if, and I know this sounds kind of crazy, but what if you, know, you were talking to a friend and you're a Christian and you're at work and they're not a Christian and, uh, and then you guys started getting into a heated exchange, and next thing you know, you just lash out at them, you know, and you say something that you shouldn't say. It was spoken uh, from uh, the influence of the enemy, because we know that he can do that. He did that with Peter, right? And you say the wrong thing. And what if, I'm just saying, what if you're the Christian representative, and because of that exchange, because of those words that you said, what if that person says, well, then I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. See, when it's set on fire by hell itself, that means that hell, that means the demons, that means the devil have an agenda to speak through someone. And they're like, hey, I, there's a person right there. There's a few people there. They don't really care much about what they say. They, they have that mentality. The fool vents all his feelings. And so I'll kind of work through that one, and I'll do damage. 
What if we became a church? What if when you went home to your homes, what if you just started, started speaking words that would build people up and not tear them down? Now again, I think of Calvary Chapel Almani and I'm thinking, man, these are good people. These are beautiful people. I'll bet you, I don't know what the percentage is. You guys help me out on this. You know, I would probably say like 90% of you guys are, are not, you know, talking you know, F-bombs at your house, and you're not calling your spouse names or calling your kids names. Most of you are not putting them down in, in ways that you should. Oh, you'll never be. And we say stuff like that, you know? But what if you are? Stop it. If you are speaking that way, because there might be some here that are speaking that way, you have to repent. Because don't you see it's from hell? Don't you see it's the devil? Don't you see the damage that it does, how it burns lives down? This little tongue, I know it's small, and you might think it was just a word or whatever. It, it's huge. You know, and then some people say, well, I can't do it. It just, ha- it just comes out. Well, maybe James is going to talk about that today. Maybe you need to really give your heart to the Lord. Maybe as a Christian, you need to come to that place of absolute surrender. That's what James is talking to. He's talking to brethren. He's talking to Christians. Now, the Bible says that we are not to be rash with our mouth. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. And so be careful of all these things, you guys. The Bible says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is necessary for edification. And what that means, and spoken in Ephesians, is don't let anything come out of your mouth that would put others down. You know? And so... Again, my prayer is that we would give this to God. No gossip, no slander, no backbiting. I think there's an epidemic and stuff like that. If you've got trash to talk, talk to the person that you're talking trash about. Maybe that might help. The teaching on teachers, we see that here. We're going to receive a stricter judgment, so God help us to give it and live it right. The teaching on the tongue, and we see the powerful weight of our words the potential wickedness of our words, and then finally, the personal wellspring of our words. In verse 9, he says, With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. And so it's hard for me to imagine, to be honest, it's hard for me to imagine that someone would be here, they'd be lifting up their hands, praising God, Lord, you're so good to me. And then the next thing you know, they go out and they, you know, call someone, you know, some name or something or, you know, curse them. But James knows more than I, he knows, Manny, it happens. And what James is saying is that that's you, Man, you got to be so careful. You should not do that because out of the same mouth, it should not happen. These ought not to be. Look what he says in verse 11. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives? You guys, can a fig tree bear olives? No, right? Or, or a grapevine bear figs? No. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And so, you know, what James is saying right here is it, it shows who we really are. It, it shows who we really are. And, and if that's the stuff coming out, the, the cursing, and you're a Christian, then, then number one, there's hypocrisy. If you're 
a Christian at all. You know, we know a tree by its fruit. We know a spring from its water. So we know a person by the words that they speak. You know, if you're here today, and let me just close with, with just this right here, and, and, you, and you, you trash talk, and you say vulgar language, and you speak mean to people or about people, or you have no problem, hey, let me give you the latest prayer request, and you want to just gossip, you know, those juicy, you know, things, and there's no conviction about it, then th that might mean that you don't really know Jesus. Now, why would, I, why would I say that? Am I just putting you down? I'm just saying, no, you don't really. It's because I'm just telling you, you need to get saved. You need to get real. Coming to church does not make you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac, right? We talked about that. I do want you to come to church. Don't get me wrong. I do love it when you guys come to church. I think, personally, a Christian should be in church every week, just like Jesus was in synagogue every week. I believe that with all my heart, and more so, probably multiple times as God would lead you. But you got to know that doesn't save you. You know, if you prayed the prayer and there's no change in your life, that, that prayer probably didn't save you because you need to have faith. And so he's saying, hey, what kind of spring are you? What kind of tree are you? You can tell by the fruit that you bear. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, or let's just say you're here and you don't know whether or not you know the Lord, my prayer is that today you would say yes. It's so simple. I, I need Jesus. I'm in big trouble without him. I'm a sinner. And in your heart, you just say yes I will give you the keys to my, my, my life. I will let you be the Lord of my lips. I can't do this, Lord. I need you to help me. That, that's the one category. The second category is if you stumble over your words with conviction, and maybe even today, you know, you've gone through the study and the Holy Spirit has told you that you've got to grow in this area, I pray you would do that. I pray that you would just say, Lord, help me. I need this. I need you to tame my tongue. Even, you know, and again, I know we can't be perfect, you guys, but man, what if we showed vast improvement? And then the third thing is if there is a consistency, you're not perfect, but proper, you've allowed God to tame your tongue, then praise God. That means that you're growing. That means there's some maturity and just maybe, who knows, maybe even you might be called to be a teacher in position or practice somehow because God has given you that. Not necessarily, but I'm just saying, man, that's what we need as teachers because we know the tongue is really, at the end of the day, uh, the ambassador of the heart. And so how many of you, just curious, I'll raise my hand first. This is hard. How many of you guys can say this can be hard sometimes? I, 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 I think it is. I think we all, I don't want the enemy to condemn you, but you know what, let's, let's be like Jesus. I can't imagine him saying anything that his father didn't approve of. Let's be like Jesus.